Here's the thing. This is no dream. This is really happening. Don't like it. Stop. 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 Stop now. Don't like it. What don't you like? It's creepy and I don't like it. I don't approve. Well, I tell tell me what it is that you don't like. It's upsetting because it's music from the movie about the devil, baby. And it's sung by Mia Farrow. Really? Yeah, you couldn't tell that? No, it just sounded like a lady singing. Yeah, no, it was Mia Farrow. It's creepy as all get out. Welcome back. Hey, everybody. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Well, I mean, early, Mm -hmm. but... You're all going to be out, you know, trick-or-treating and being spooky. And plus, we release on Monday, so mm-hmm. we like to keep things, uh, you know, straight. Mm-hmm. Or you could be one of those people that, like, celebrates Halloween all month, which is your right, and that's fine. It's a little weird, but that's fine. Well, it annoys me because I have a kick-ass costume, and it's already been replicated twice online, and not as good as mine. Mine, no. And so now, mine is not original anymore, and that irritates me. Yeah. But we thought we would do a Halloween episode of How Have You Not Seen This? How Have You Not Seen This? A podcast about a husband and wife. That's us. Who show each other movies that the other one should have seen by now. Mm-hmm. And since Daniel got to choose the motherfucking bummer of all movies as our season finale. First of all, are you talking about Network? Yes. Okay. Okay. Second of all, you loved it because it was great. No. And third of all, I can find s- movies that are so, no, so much sadder and more can. of a bummer. Like, but do not challenge honest. me. Let's be honest. Bummer. It's Of course it's a bummer. I'm just saying there are b- bigger bummers Stone out there. Stone cold bummer. Yep. Uh, since he got to pick that, then I got to pick the Halloween movie, and I chose what? Rosemary's Baby, mm-hmm. which is not a traditional, uh, like what people would think of Halloween horror movie, you know, like, like, Michael Myers. That's pretty good. Yeah, right? That's pretty good. But I don't give a shit about those movies, really. Eh. No, I just don't. I'm sorry. I don't. Uh, to me, that I like to be scared in a different way. Mm-hmm. And this movie scares me, A, because it's fucking scary, and B, because, you know, Roman Polanski. Yeah, we can. Um, that's a whole thing. So, Are there any of those traditional Halloween-type movies that you like? Like Halloween? Carrie. Carrie. That's a classic one. I love Carrie. Okay. Um, I, what else would there be? Name some movies. I mean, like the classic ones that get trotted out are, you know, like all the slasher flicks. Like no, the, I don't like any the slasher The Nightmares flicks. and you know the, what? No. the no. Fridays. No. None of those. No, and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. Uh, because traditionally those movies are for like screaming and grabbing your boyfriend and then, ooh, what happens? Mm-hmm. But I married you. <laughs> ooh, what happens? I married you, so I'd scream and grab you, and you'd be like, stop, this is a good part. And I'd be like, oh, okay. So it's not I would not get inaccurate. any. It's exactly. Is it I would, me? Maybe. I would but not it's not inaccurate. Any enjoyment out of the whole like, oh, I need to find somebody else to uh who would let me do that with I'm, them. I'm learning a lot on this podcast right now. I'm just saying. I'm hearing a lot of this for the first time. Uh, you is, are lying I know. like a rug. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking, uh, I'm taking 
numbers from anyone who wants to let me scream and watch scream and grab don't, them don't do that don't <laughs> people don't submit stuff don't send in your numbers <laughs> anyway yeah that's why i don't really care about those movies that's no, cool i'm with you too like those get kind of old i've seen a couple of them just out of like, like chucky who cares? academic curiosity but like child's play i didn't see the remake because the original is like christine sucked. like <laughs> i've seen the first few friday the 13th i've seen at least the first nightmare on elm street and it's like fun to watch in like a, oh it's like an of its time kind of way right but no part of me is like man i really feel like kicking back tonight with nightmare on elm street five no like i'll know? watch the shining yeah because it's brilliant and great and amazing yeah, yeah. that's what i'm saying mm-hmm. so i thought rosemary I, the fact and really honestly it was the fact that you haven't seen it and it is it is iconic i mean it is iconic mm-hmm. and it blew my mind truly blew my mind that you hadn't seen it and i want to know how have you not seen this yet you know it's funny i knew of obviously rosemary's baby has like a huge pop cultural footprint so it's not like i was unfamiliar with the movie the dakota mia farrow yeah like i knew obviously i knew who was in it i knew what it was about like i knew you know i knew the whole premise like i knew bits and pieces i'd seen like certain scenes before like online or in recaps like so it's not like i went in blind at all like i went in blind to like the details of what might happen like what some of the supporting characters might be but i knew the gist like before seeing the movie i could have told you what i thought the log line was and i would have hit it like 80 90 percent like i was really close right it's just one of those that for some reason i never got around to seeing when i was discovering a lot of 60s and 70s movies when i was in my teens and 20s Um, and i'm not sure why because it's of course you know alleged in the field um and again, I'm the same way. Like, I don't like a lot of, like, slasher flicks or gore flicks or stuff. I like, you know, um, psychological suspense and this horror and stuff like that. This is very Hitchcockian. Like. Yeah, I like psychological horror and suspense and things like that. So it's one of the reasons, you know, we, The Shining, as you just said. It's an amazing movie. It's the Shining. So, Do you want to get sued? Sued? Uh, so, yeah, I just, I don't know why. it's It was always around um, and just kind of out there. And it's you just find yourself kind of drifting away from stuff. If I had to guess why I hadn't seen it, it's maybe because the story and the quote-unquote twist or, or, or what's happening in the story are so a part of pop culture that I feel like I'd absorbed it in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, you were like, so, so what? Yeah, so it's not like I ever like avoided it. It's not like I ever had a chance to see it and I said, no, thank you. Like I was... I just never got around to it. That's just, how I feel about the sex sense. Which we might have to watch, though. That's what I'm saying, though. You're like, I can't believe it. I can't. And I'm like, but I literally, like, everyone knows. Mm-hmm. I What am I going to? Exactly. But that's that's the thing. Like, Ugh. obviously, I knew what the twist of Rosemary's Baby was, but I still had a great time watching the movie for the storytelling and the artistry. Well, yeah, the acting. Yeah. So it, The acting was amazing. And the, I mean, oh, my God, the ticking clock. Just what are you doing to me with the ticking yeah. clock? I can't handle so, it. Just, um, we should recap real quickly for those who haven't seen Rosemary's Baby. Okay. Rosemary's Baby is about a lady named Rosemary and her baby. I was going to recap, but that's fine. <gasps> I'm sorry. Go ahead and recap. Um, so we've got uh, – well, first let me just say – I'm just going to give you like the, the wiki blurb so that you know who's in it. Uh, it's a 1968 American psychological supernatural horror film. Um, I'm not so much with the horror, but Supernatural, yes. Yeah. Written and directed by Roman Polanski, based on Rosemary's Baby, based very closely, and I appreciate that, uh, by Ira Levin. Have you read the book? Uh, no, but I oh. should. 
Cool. Um, the cast features Mia Farrow, John Cassavetes, uh, Ruth Gordon, who won an Oscar for her performance, and rightfully really? so. Get out, huh? I totally want to be her. Uh, Sydney Blackburn, Maurice Evans, who I love, uh, Ralph Bellamy, who I also love, Angela Dorian, Clay Tanner, and in his feature film debut, Charles Grodin. Charles Grodin. Yep. Uh, the film chronicles the story. Well, this is no, we're not going to get into that. Um, <laughs> no, goodbye. This that's, is dumb. No, delete, delete, delete. You delete. be quiet. Okay. Um, you be quiet, Wikipedia. Be quiet. Uh, so we've got uh, John Cassavetes, who is uh, what? What's his name? Guy. Guy. That's right. Guy. Guy, Guy and Rosemary. Woodhouse. Guy Woodhouse, who is an actor. He's been in some plays, Luther and something else and some TV, and he's really wonderful. And you're mm-hmm. like, Rosemary, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, Rosemary and Guy, and they're looking for an apartment, and they're in this old, this big, huge old um, house. Tr- like, it was originally a house. It's the Dakota, for those of you who have ever been to New York, which is, yes, where uh, John Lennon was shot and killed. Whoa. Yes, mm. um, which is roof. Uh, we'll get to that. Um, the Dakota refused to let them film the inside, but they were like, we got to have the outside. Sure. So because the building is haunted and um, bad things happen there in the movie. And it's probably haunted in real life, mm-hmm. but it's haunted. And so they were like, we got to have it. We got to have it. Um and uh, they're looking at this apartment that was part of um, a whole floor that was like split up. And so they, it's like an apartment that was part of an apartment. Yeah. And basically, it's like it was like one gigantic floor. The floor. Entire yeah. floor was one living quarters. Yeah. And basically, they put up a wall in the middle. Yeah. And so that so wall's kind of thin. So it's this lady who. Um, who was like kind of a shut in. She had this huge herb garden and everything's like super dark and whatever. And they move in, they love it and they paint it all white and it's super pretty. And of course, all I'm thinking having a brother and sister-in-law who live in New York and friends that live in New York is I'm like, I can't fucking imagine the rent on this place (laughs) right now. I mean, this in 68, I can't imagine. I can't, whatever. I can't even fathom it. Um, You'll think that though when you're watching it, you're like, because it's so beautiful. It's it's the most stupid beautiful apartment. I mean, the kitchen is huge. I don't even know. Um, I think the apartment itself is a character. Uh, I think the apartment building is a character in the film. Um, so they move in. Guy is um, very vain and very self obsessed. He's kind of a typical actor, and Rosemary acknowledges that. They become unwittingly become friends with their um next door neighbors who are this crazy old couple um ruth gordon and sydney blackmer um and it's weird guy like becomes even closer friends and then um he wants to like hang out with them all the time and rosemary's like i don't know and they want her to wear this necklace that smells and um, she'd made friends with a girl that lived with them and that girl killed herself and it's all crazy. Then she gets pregnant, but she has this dream that all of the old people that live in the building that are all friends are naked and standing around her bed. Mm-hmm. 
and her husband is there and she has a dream that she's being raped by this like devil looking creature. And there's just one moment where she's like, this isn't a dream. This is really happening. And you're like, no, it's totally really happening. Like you're being raped and there's a bunch of old people. And I got to tell you, I don't know which disturbs me more like being raped by the devil or having a whole bunch of naked old people staring at me while I'm having sex. Yeah, that's pretty rough. Gross. Um, So the next day she wakes up and I know this is like a longer whatever, but it doesn't matter. Um, She wakes up and she's got like scratches all over her and she had passed out the night before. She didn't know why she like passed out. Well, it turned out she'd been drugged and her husband totally was totally in on it. And then he tells her that she passed out and he just like was like super into it. And so he just raped her. Because they'd been planning on trying to have a baby and they knew this was yes. one of her ovulating days. Yes. And so as she's starting to pass he's like, out. like, I was totally into it. As, he's, as she's starting to pass out, she's like, but what about making the baby? And he's like, we got plenty of time. And the next morning she wakes up and has scratches on her and she's like, what's this? And he's like. Hey, I'm sorry. I just kind of rolled with it last night, and I kind of got off on it he in like says, a necrophile kind yeah, of way. Yeah, he goes. It was it was kind of it was kind of sexy in like a necrophilia kind of way, and I'm like, this is the '60s. This is the '60s. This is the like I had to. I sure. mean, because holy shit, mm-hmm. seriously, gross. Um, but by the way, this was before raping your wife was considered a crime. That's something. Just to stone cold bummer you out. <sighs> that was not a crime to rape your wife. Because we're property. Welcome to being a woman. It sucks. <laughs> um, so she gets preggers. And um, she's going to go to this doctor that her friends tell her to go to, who's this adorable Charles Grodin, who I've had a crush on since I was a little girl. Why, you ask? What? Why have I had a crush on Charles Grodin? Yeah, I will tell you. I also am curious. <laughs> Muppets take Manhattan. Okay. <laughs> He's so handsome. What? I totally did. You know, I gotta admit, I've never seen it. You <gasps> Okay. Well, you asked my sister. She did too. We totally had a crush on Charles Grodin because he's super dreamy and um he is in love with Miss Piggy and who can blame him? <laughs> um so anyway, it's his first role and he's this adorable doctor and he do does everything like exactly like you'd think like here take neonatal pills and you'll be fine and then the crazy people uh find out they're like oh no you go to our doctor he's the best in the like one of the best in the country and it's a very old ralph bellamy which is hard for me because i see ralph bellamy from i see ralph i see the ralph bellamy in my head from his girl friday and i'm like no you're supposed to be sweet and innocent Mm -hmm. why hey benji come here there's a guy waiting in a taxi in front of the criminal courts building. His name is Bruce Baldwin. What does he look like? He looks like uh, that fellow in the movies, you know, uh, Ralph Bellamy. Oh, him? Can you handle it? I've never flopped on you yet, have I? He's like, don't take any pills. Um, what's her name's going to make you a... Uh, what's her name? Oh, it's Roman and something. I'll look it Roman up. And, yeah, it. look it up. It. Roman Cassavetes. No, um, Castavets. Castavets, whatever. Um... So she's going to make her a smoothie every day. Minnie. Yeah, Minnie Roman Casper. and Minnie. Minnie's going to make her a smoothie every day with um, herbs. And it turns out in those herbs is this like devil stuff called Tannis Root, which doesn't really exist, but it does in the movie. Um, and it's in this necklace that they want her to wear. It's the devil's, you know, whatever. Mwah. Um 
so she's drinking her smoothies and she's as she's getting as time is passing oh she also i have to say i can't believe i forgot to say this because it was one of the first things that i noticed when uh, we watched it when i watched it rewatched it she is a complete twin of young gwyneth paltrow it's her eyes are bigger mm-hmm. but it was eerie mm-hmm. and throughout the movie i was like when her hair was longer sure i was like spooked by how by how like if they did a remake they could have cast i don't know why they did the remake with uh they did a remake no yes they did with oh. zoe saldana what and i'm like no nah, i don't know what are you doing no they should have done a remake with uh gwyneth paltrow because that would have made sense um anyway um I, that was just a thing. Oh I, my god! January twenty fourteen. I'm a, not there yet. A mini. I'm oh, sorry. Anyway, I didn't know they remade it. They did. Well, I was going to tell you. This well, is part I, of. It just happened. The podcast. Whoa. Yeah, it's not good. It doesn't look good. It's terrible. So, she, as opposed to like every pregnant woman that you know who like gets all cute and chubby and glowing, she gets skinnier and way even more wayfish and gets these big dark circles under her eyes and cuts her hair off like Vidal Sassoon at Vidal Sassoon it's that adorable pixie that Mia Farrow is known for and she's so fucking cute you just want to put her in your pocket and her husband is such a total dick about her hair like total dick and it made me think like I'm so, I think about things like when, when women are like, oh, my husband won't let me, or my husband doesn't like when I, and I'm like, I like thinking about if Daniel was like, where'd you get your haircut? You know, you should get your money back. I'd be like, oh, you don't like your balls anymore, do you? Yep. Yeah. He's like, that's the worst mistake you ever made. I'm like, well, that's pretty clear. That's an excellent Mm -hmm. choice you've just made, sir. Um... Anyway, so she's getting really sick and her friends are like freaking out. And she says, I can't remember what, like she, when she's eating like raw liver and raw meat and, um, and she's constantly in pain, constantly in pain, 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 pain. And the doctor's like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then one day, uh, the pain stops and she just all of a sudden starts looking amazing Mm -hmm. and getting better and Mm -hmm. getting preggers like big and fat um but she's super paranoid because her husband hangs out with old people all the time it's weird and they hear like chanting and all this weird stuff through that thin wall that through kind the of, thin wall they share a wall with their neighbors really yeah closely. yeah it's really weird and her husband oh by the way her husband just happens to get this amazing role in this play because uh, the actor that was that was supposed to have it was struck blind just randomly. You know how that happens all the time. How yeah, people go blind. And then uh, she, her friend, played by Maurice Evans, um, was oh, you'll yep. The our assistant producers, the cats are oh Hercules. There he is. Hey, buddy. For those of you who have missed our ginger gentleman, you can hear him. Hang on. He's talking to himself. Mm-hmm. Hercules. Thanks, dude. Yep. He's our 3PO. Mm-hmm. Um, 
anyway, uh, where was I? Oh, so, uh, Maurice Evans is like, dude, this is not right. You should be, you should be going to this doctor. You should, I don't like these people. This, I don't know what this Tannis root is. Like, this is bad stuff. He suddenly goes into a coma. Yeah. And then dies. But before he dies, he sends like, he sends uh, her this book about witchcraft. And it turns out that there was like this coven of witches that lived in the Bramford. Um, yeah, which is what they're calling the apartment building. Yes. And uh, that, uh, and then he says the name is an anagram. Mm-hmm. And she realizes that the name. Um, uh, the name of the, the old witch who lived there was. Uh, uh, well, Warlock. Warlock was uh, his name. His son then took over and rearranged the letters of his name. Yes. From Stephen Marcato yes. to Roman Castanet. Yes. And so she realized that this old man that her husband, that they've been friends with, Roman Castanet, is actually an evil warlock and the son of this evil warlock yes. used to live there. So she loses her fucking mind. And her husband, of course, is in on it with the witches. And so he's like, nah. And she... Um, starts researching witches and what to do and all this stuff. And um, she tries to go see Charles Grodin, who thinks she's paranoid and crazy, and calls her husband and calls Ralph Bellamy. Like a good doctor would do. Uh, he did his job. Because women, we're hysterical. Hold on, hold on. There's hysterical, and then there's witches are after me. He probably made, in his estimation, the right call. <laughs> If you're a doctor and your patient shows up, sorry, a former patient shows up and says, I'm sorry I haven't been to see you in eight months. My husband is part of a coven of witches who are trying to steal my baby. You would be like, she needs help. Not I'd like put her in the hospital. Yeah, she definitely needed some help. I'd put her in the hospital. Yeah. But yeah, no, I see your point. Mm-hmm. I see your point. Um, So she's for sure. She is like, I know that they want to take my baby and use my baby for for your like rituals rituals. or something yeah um so then they get her back to the apartment and and, and, oh my god she's going into labor Mm -hmm. and she has the baby and then she wakes up and they're like the baby's dead and she's like oh no and they're like but you can have more babies don't worry about it so they're bringing her food and Mm -hmm. they're having her pump her milk Mm -hmm. regularly and they're like we're just throwing it away and i'm like um okay weird uh clearly the baby is not dead yep clearly the baby is being taken care of by a bunch of old witches Mm -hmm. which is not creepy at all yeah she finds a secret door i think that was a little that was the only part that i was like why would she like think that there was a secret door back there Mm -hmm. you know like i thought that was a little weird she finds a secret door into the castavet's apartment i was gonna the castanets It's good. This is my castanet. It's an amazing instrument. It's like people they, they can't see um, this. She actually has the instruments out now. No, she's I, playing them. <laughs> she finds a secret door in, and she sees this ridiculous, like this huge um, uh, crib bassinet 
that's done all in black. The witches have a flair with, for the dramatic. With, I mean, like seriously, it's like the six rest feet, of their apartment six looks feet high, totally normal, and an upside down cross with a bow tie yeah, on it. But then, like, yo, this is Satan's kid. Let's class this shit up. Yeah, like, it's yeah. really creepy and hilarious. And and she loses her mind, and they're like, and the husband's like, look, think of what they can do for us. And and she goes over and looks and freaks out and she's like his eyes his eyes are wrong and they're like he and then uh, he has his Ro- father's he eyes he has his father's eyes and she's like my guy's eyes don't look like that they're normal and he's like his father is Satan no yeah, he is the the Roman cast Roman castanet the the head of the witch group Kevin is like starts dropping this like point blank exposition like satan is his father yes. like just blasting it out of like <laughs> he came up from the depths and conceived a baby and that's it you're like well he's just laying everything out he in like 30 seconds very well the whole he thing. has his father's eyes what are you talking about guys eyes are normal what have you done to him you maniac satan is his father not guy he came up from hell and begat a son of mortal woman. Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Satan is his father, and his name is Adrian. He shall overthrow the mighty and lay waste their temples. He shall redeem the despised and wreak vengeance in the name of the burned and the tortured. Hail Adrian! Hail Satan! Hail Satan! He chose you out of all the world, out of all the women in the whole world. He chose you. He arranged things because he wanted you to be the mother of his only living son. His power is stronger than stronger. His might shall last longer than longer. Yes, Satan. No! It can't be! No! Look at his hands. And his feet. Oh, God! Very well. What I love about him is he is uh, like just like this kind of weird crotchety old man, a little bit of a Hal Holbrook vibe to mm-hmm. him. His wife is fucking crazy, and I love her like way too much makeup, mm-hmm. ridiculous wig, ridiculous clothes, and um, just the typical, stereotypical, pushy New York broad. Like, I'm just going to, I'm just being honest because, yeah. you know, She's all we all know the stereotypical pushy New York little old lady. Mm-hmm. I've known some of them. I'm not saying they're all like that, but their stereotypes exist for a reason. And that's what she's like. Um, then that one old bitch with the Coke bottle glasses. She was weak. She was me. Damn. She's like rocking the baby extra hard. And then Rosemary's freaking out. And then Roman's like, you know, you don't have to join the witch coven. Just take care of the baby and be the mom. Be a good mom. And then she just goes over and starts rocking the baby. Yeah, but the old lady's like, "I'll kill her, even I'll kill her, even though we need the milk. I don't mm-hmm. give a shit." Yeah, and I was like, "God pretty, damn, that's pretty rough." So the end is that Rosemary. I know this is like a super long. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine. But I feel like whatever. Yeah, it's, it's fifty years old. Halloween. It's fifty. Yeah. It was, yes, it celebrated its fiftieth anniversary last year. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes over and kind of is in a trance. As she looks at the baby, and the baby's like cooing, and the baby has, by the way, hooves. You don't see that. They say it though. They go look at his feet and hands. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. yeah but they never show it, which they is... They don't show it. They don't show anything, which makes it even creepier. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just kind of gets this look, like just trance, and just is rocking the baby. Like, I guess my cloven-hoofed baby is better than no baby at all. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, and then you hear the... That's what you hear at the beginning of the movie. And Daniel was like, I don't like this at all. I don't like this. Uh, nope. It nope, is nope, creepy nope, nope. music. Yeah. So um, so that's the movie. Mm-hmm. That's it. And it sounds, it sounds kind of foolish and it doesn't necessarily sound as, as creepy as it is. But that's in... God, our producer is just wandering the halls. Sit down. This is what she does, man. What is your damn? I mean, we had some great interviews with people. Go to your bed. Everybody wanted to get paid. Go to your bed. We can't pay anybody. No. So we're stuck with this producer. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, um, as I was saying, uh, this is all in the execution, much like Hitchcock. Um, you have creepy music, creepy uh, cuts, creepy. So, I mean, they have the ticking clock I could not handle. I'm just, yeah. oh my God, what are you doing to me? Yeah, there's a recurring thing of a, a ticking clock, just the second hand ticking, just Yep. And it occurs a lot in moments of tension or suspense and also yep. in her dreams. Yeah, oh my which God, are, she has these really fucking Which are dreams. amazingly done. I, I, I definitely want to talk about those. They're so, so well done. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely on the execution and how the suspense is, is presented. One of the things that I also like about it is, yeah, going in, you know, like you've read the back of the box and like you know the the summary and you it's an old movie. Like so you're like, these people are up to some stuff and she turns out to have the devil's baby. Shenanigans. But uh as the story goes along, if you go in and just treat the world of the the film as its own self contained universe and follow that story, there's no clear tell, no actual confirmation until the final scene about what specifically has happened. Everything else could equally be caused by sinister forces or her own paranoia and confusion. Which is in here, which is something that the film specifically deals with is paranoia. Yeah. So, like, the, the final scene, like, Roman just blasted out. Like, he's like, but it's, there's no, he doesn't even, like, hint at stuff. He's like, it's Satan's kid. We love you to be the mom. We're witches. Welcome to our house. Oh, they don't want to experiment. That he's the Antichrist. Yeah. Just FYI. Yeah. She's like, you want my baby for rituals? He's like, no, nah, we're not going to sacrifice this baby. This is the Antichrist. He's going to rule over everything. So, but that's when they clearly lay everything out. Everything else, though, is, could reasonably be interpreted as her paranoia, confusion, delusion, emotional instability, all sorts of stuff, because it is just coincidental. One of the things that I also loved about it and that, that helps drive that home on like a subconscious level is that rosemary is in every scene we never leave rosemary alone we never leave her perspective we never follow like her husband guy is an actor we never follow him to work or on an audition Mm -mm. we are never in the castanets apartment just watching them interact Mm -mm. rosemary is in every scene not every shot but every scene of the movie involves rosemary there's even a moment where like uh you know as, as tracy summed up like the night that the, the baby is conceived, Rosemary is drugged, and the drugs are put in this chocolate mousse that Minnie brings by as a special dessert for Guy and Rosemary who are dining in their apartment. Oh, 
mm-hmm. just having a little romantic night by themselves. So the you know, there's a knock at the door. It's Minnie with the desserts. Guy gets up and goes and answers the door, but we stay with Rosemary the whole time. Yeah. We watch her reaction, her saying, oh, no, don't let her in. He brings back the desserts, but we're with her the whole time. So you are locked into her perspective and reaction and emotions. And so it's really, really visceral and evocative, and everything that could be happening feels like it could be a uh, paranoia or a sinister force. And you start to feel that paranoia. Like it bleeds over from her into you, the viewer, mm-hmm. like you're mm-hmm. definitely trapped in this world. Like by keeping us with her, there is no escape. We have no third person omniscient way to escape her role in the narrative. No way to like get some space on the story. We're stuck in it with her. Yeah. And that makes it extra terrifying and claustrophobic because yeah. again, up until the actual very, very end of the movie, it could all just be, a series of weird coincidences. Um, I also think it's interesting that Satan was born on your birthday. Yeah. Here's the thing. We're going to talk about this for a minute. Uh, there are 365 days in the year. Some years, 366. No one knows why. But the due date that they give in this, like, what's your due date? It's my birthday. It's your birthday and your sister's birthday. Yeah, my sister and I have the same birthday two years apart. Yeah. Which means... <clears throat> Weird stuff happened. Also, even weirder, my aunt, my father's sister, has the same birthday. Just saying. Which is the the date of Rosemary's baby's birth. It's very unusual. Anyway, I uh, I thought it was so. I thought it was really well done. Like the 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 suspense and execution. What are you giggling at? Is it on the devil's baby? (laughs) What? Not giving. So. Yep. Go ahead. You know, one time I was, uh, one time I was sitting watching TV and I made a noise and you were like, oh, "Are you getting up?" And I was like, "No, why?" And you were like, "That's the noise you make when you're about to get up." <laughs> so that's, you have many noises. That's who I am. I can't apparently just get up and go to the kitchen like a normal person. I have to like have some kind of like, <clears throat> you know, yeah, or like no, just he some has many noises. Preamble. Anyway, uh, that I'm sure we share. You get to hear. It's a great the well, Yeah. I was gonna. Oh yeah, all the the coincidences, which is funny. Like. It turns out that Roman Castanet, he'd rearranged letters in his name as, uh, you know, Stephen Marcato, which is the dumbest, dumbest fucking thing you could do. Like, there's a, there's a Dracula movie, like Son of Dracula or something, where Dracula, he, like, switches his name to, like, Alucard. He mm-hmm. just spells it backwards. I'm like, hang on a minute. You're, so you're, you're Stephen Marcato, you're, whatever, you're, like, the, this super evil, powerful scion of this coven trying to, like, bring the Antichrist back. And excellent use of the word scion. You can't just say, hi, I'm Brad, the witch, you know, like, just live your life. Like you can't just go into the, somebody draw Brad, the witch. You can't just go into the radar. Like your, your, your name, you just rearrange it. Cause like you're that stuck up or showy. Like, dude, if you're trying to escape detection, which you clearly are, hence the pseudonym, just go with something completely different. Why did you rearrange the letters in your name? That took so much more effort and was so much less helpful. Seriously, someone draw Brad the Witch. I've been upset about this for days now. You... <laughs> I Every... love that that's what bothers Everything you. else in the movie, I was like, I'm fucking there. I'm 110% in. Watch out, Rosemary. But he's like, ah, I'm actually Stephen, blah, blah, blah. I just rearranged the letters and now I'm Roman Castanet. Castanet? That's the last... You, Dude, just go with a different name, man. I don't know who would ever think of rearranging the letters of his name. 
the her friend Hutch, who's like, it's an anagram. He was like, this rearranged letters in this old witch's name. I think Hutch was was divinely inspired, though. I'm just saying, like, if you're gonna try and fly in that's another that's another thing is uh, it's another part of the movie uh, when she goes to the doctor that she picks up a time a time life cover and it's is God dead, and um, she also talks about being raised Catholic. And and that's kind of one of the themes of the movie is is God dead and mm. Satan's all that we have left. So maybe Hutch was, you know, like you I think said, Hutch maybe was, no, I don't, I didn't buy him. He was divinely inspired. I'm just saying. When was the Is God Dead? The Is God Dead thing was April of '66. I figured it was just like a lucky coincidence that they like that happened to happen at the same time and they just brought it in as a prop. That's like, well, okay. I'm telling you that that I'm literally telling you that mm-hmm. the movie mm-hmm. was supposed to talk about Christianity and Catholicism. Interesting. So like, Oh, and bef- the occult. Also, before I forget, I did look up the information at the Dakota yeah. in the New York. Um, we could buy a unit there. That's like actually like three units in one. It's a five bed, seven bath for 25 million. Oh, that's it. Listen, patrons, yeah, um, chip in. Come on. Let's all, you know what? We'll buy it. We'll all live there together, haunted. We don't even have to do that. Oh, check it out. There's a th- They've got a 3-2. Oh, that's for better for us. 9.7 million. Dude. That's so doable. Or, you know what? If we don't want to be tied down and in this day and age, I don't think you want to, we could rent. Oh. There's a four, three and a half for rent for just 35000 a month. That is, that's much, because then you have like the freedom, the flexibility to live your life. Guys. You're not like, ugh, I bought this apartment. Like you're living your life. I don't know. I it's think 35 rather, grand a month. I think I'd rather invest in the, in the. In the real estate? In the haunted real well, maybe, estate. Maybe. Yes. Oh, wait, we could get a 1-1 one, one for 1.2 million. You guys, come on. We got to do that. I think we could actually swing that. Let's do that. Let's start. Pass the hat. Let's <laughs> How big is it? It is 730 square feet. <laughs> For one point two million, that's one thousand seven hundred dollars per square foot. It's a it's a one New bed York, one New bath. New York, it's a hell of a town. It says it only has three rooms, so if one's Rugs a bedroom, one's a bathroom. And the battery's down. Yeah, like it's a don't live in New York. It's a disgusting. It smells like pee. Seriously, watch. Go to Dulcie Sloan's uh, Instagram feed and watch her bit about how much she hates New York. It is hysterical. I can last in New York about 10 days max. And then I start screaming, everything smells like pee. Stop touching me. Get off me. I have to get out of here. There may be too many people in a small area. Just too many people. There are eight and a half million people in 300 square miles. That's not, there's no call for that. Look how why, big the planet is. Why are you doing have that? Have you seen like the Midwest? Just look at all that space. We could be spread out. It's the Midwest, though. But we could be spread out, and it'd be so much easier. Can we easier. get rid of the people in the Midwest? We can overpower them. We already do. We already, we outnumber them. We're just clustered in these cities. That's true. If we spread out, we win every election. Let's do it. Oh. <gasps> okay, I like where this is going. Anyway, back to the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything else that you want to say? Yes, I thought it was uh, a really, really well-made movie. It was. Uh, fantastically creepy. Uh, I loved the dream sequences there mm-hmm. are, you know two or three of them and they are really upsetting and weird because they're just like real dreams like they don't do the thing that a lot of especially more modern thrillers and horror movies do of like jump scares and crazy lights and music and sound like when she goes off into this dream there's no music there's just the ticking clock which again not comforting it's very weird and it's like weird kind of surreal images but like 
not in like a freaky way, just like, oh, I'm on my bed, but I'm also out at sea and I'm on a boat and there's all these people. And like, it's just, it's just upsetting enough to be like, this is weird. Um, they're really, really well done. And they're just kind of gorgeous and haunting. Um, I thought they were just really fantastic. He likes the ladies in the bikinis. (laughs) Um, I, I thought it was, uh, definitely like a horror movie like i said of its time because there aren't a lot of there are no jump scares big stings no music users barely any music in it it's just this psychological build of release of of your with yeah you're you're with rosemary in in her little journey um i thought it was an interesting like you know good way like movies a lot of times on purpose or accidentally just kind of regurgitate what's been happening the past few years because they take so long to get made like it's very rare for a movie to kind of capture the zeitgeist of its specific moment on purpose they usually kind of look into that these are just kind of recycling the vibe of the past few years and Ira Levin had a lot of movie books get made into movies with you know upsetting premises but I mean this this came out in 68 did you do research on Ira Levin no, I just know who he is. He he wrote okay. he wrote Sliver and The Boys from Brazil. Sliver is a terrible movie. Never saw and it. And a terrible book. And at first I thought he wrote High Rise, but I was like, no, that's J.G. Ballard. Uh, but he wrote he wrote Stefford Wives, I think. Mm. I think. Um he wrote he wrote so he had a lot of stuff get adapted and um so you know, a lot of like upsetting kind of like premises about like paranoia and identity. And this came out in sixty eight, so I mean the sixties awful, like I mean, just the year this comes out, uh Martin Luther King and RFK get assassinated the same year this comes out. Um, you know, we're well well into Vietnam, well into the violence in the streets of the civil rights era. 68, of course, is like a peak year of like a lot of protests in the streets. So it's just like a lot of like grim, nasty stuff is happening in the U.S. at the time of like like identity changing and self-searching and like it's kind of tearing itself apart and healing. And so a lot is like going on. A lot of old systems are being... Um, re-examined and torn down and rebuilt a lot a lot of changes happening mm-hmm. and so this felt like in its own way it was processing that and regurgitating it because it's a movie very much about like identity and change and invasion and uh lies and deception like it's it's it makes sense it's it's very 60s in that way um and uh i just so tonally i thought it, it felt a lot like of its time of like a really creepy creepy decade it also made sense to me from as the late 60s because it shows a lot of stuff that just a few years before you could not have gotten away with because of the boobies. the production codes yeah so like uh there's there's a lot of nudity just because and early on like not long after guy and uh rosemary move into the apartment like they're having like a little little dinner just oh, don't like, say the words I'm going to have to because it's a quote. They're having a little dinner on the floor of their empty, unfurnished apartment. Just like a little snack. And she's like, guy, let's make love. Uh, and so, so first of all, just like the openness of her saying that. And then the fact that like the camera doesn't move as they just like casually strip and then start to make out. Which is like way more than you would have shown even just a few years earlier in the 60s and certainly not before that. So it's very much like, hey, you know, the Hayes Code is is... It's no longer in effect. Like it's a very transformative time for movies, so it felt like, like uh, it's like a kid with his driver's license for the first time. Let, let's take this thing out and see what we can get away with, you know. Well, that's Robert Evans. Yeah, I so. mean, Robert Evans, who at the time was a B movie uh, producer, mm-hmm. and was like, uh, I feel like I have something here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, I want to, I want, who do I want to direct? I don't mm-hmm. know. It was going to be William Castle, mm-hmm. I want to say. And he's like, this movie's too big for you. Because that's the thing. The setup is very B-movie. Like, lady has lady gets raped by the devil and is, like, tricked by witches in, like, a little New York apartment. Right. Could be so schlocky in a very William Castle kind of affair. But she gave it to this, like, European who's just making it, waves. Yeah. He's and like, it, here, Roman Polanski. Yeah, so have like, you been raping any children? Maybe you have. So, like, B-level story but A-level execution, it really, yes. really comes through. Yes. Um, Polanski took it like i mean wrote it and then was like all right let's see what's up and uh he actually drew sketches of how he envisioned each character and then used them to film to fill the roles so like it's that to me is wild he's like i want the doctor to look like this oh hey that looks like ralph bellamy let's get ralph bellamy like it wasn't yeah uh, I don't know if you know this. When Rosemary calls Donald Baumgart, remember the guy that went blind, so that guy could get the role. Yeah, it's just a phone conversation. We never see him with Tony Curtis. That's Tony Curtis is the voice. Tony Curtis, yeah. Bizarre. I know. Um, I thought that you would find this interesting. Um, it was edited by Samuel Alexander Osteen. Okay. Who I'm sure you know. Uh-uh. Oh, okay. Um, an American film editor and director, he had an extended, notable cl- collaboration with director Mike Nichols, who's one of my favorites. Oh, wow. Um, he edited Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Fantastic. You've seen that. No. Oh, my God. We have to watch that. It is so intense and depressing. And I could show you a depressing movie. And here's, Yeah, you're always like, you show me oh. bummers. But you want to show me Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Yes, it's such a bummer, especially since our cat is Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah, but like you show me bummers. You're like, isn't this a bummer and great? And I'm like, yeah, it's a bummer and great. But I show you a bummer and you're like, that's a bummer. I don't that's like that. That's because your bummers are like gray and 70s. You also have a real soft spot for like Tennessee Williams kind of bummers anyway. Okay, well, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf is not Tennessee Williams. I know, but it's also a play and it's about like yelling and... Anyway, Stuff. Cool Hand Luke, The Graduate, huh. Rosemary's Baby, mm-hmm. Chinatown, mm-hmm. Silkwood, yep. Postcards from the Edge. He just did, he did like a lot. Of, I mean, if you look at his, sure. he edited a lot of really fantastic Impressive. Um, pieces. Chinatown, also directed by Roman Polanski, mm-hmm. um, which is one of our, I think, our collective favorite movies. Yeah, it's a good one. I mean. It's Chinatown. It's Chinatown. One time when I was really, really sick and really, really high on medication, I called my friend Jeff like five times and asked him if he'd seen Chinatown. But I called him in like a span of 20 minutes and he thought it was really funny. Um, That's all I have for that. Anyway. (laughs) And scene. (laughs) Um, Spoiler alert. He had. He had seen it. And I was, I ended up being in the hospital for a week. Um. Yeah, so I have 13 interesting facts. Okay. These come from mental... Ooh, 13. Spooky. These Halloween. Come from mental, relevant. These come from mental floss. I oh. love mental floss. It's I mean, like floss I'm not for your like, brain. I'm not going to get into all of them, but I wanted okay. to just give them to you. One, William Castle originally wanted to direct it. That and makes they were so like, much sense. Go fuck yourself. That, I see it, though. Um, he ended up getting to be like <laughs> like the, the guy that um, was waiting outside the phone booth for to oh. use it that was William Castle he's like oh huh. this is all I get to do I throw him a bone yeah. Roman Polanski made one very significant storytelling decision okay um he decided that um instead of let's see I'm just gonna read this 
When Evans offered him the film, Polanski was immediately engaged by Levin's novel and decided to write the screenplay himself. He had little difficulty, but as an agnostic look at me speak, there was one particular aspect he wanted to remain intact on screen, ambiguity, mm-hmm. which is what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. He set out to tell a story where, in theory, you could perceive everything that happened to Rosemary as something she was imagining, mm-hmm. which was very cool. Except at the end when he's just like, the devil. And you're like, all right, well, Jesus Christ. Satan is his father. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ira Levin made drawings of the Branford apartments, um, of like how he wanted it to look. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very cool. Polanski, I said this already, made sketches to choose the supporting cast. Uh, that's how actors like Ruth Gordon and Sidney Blackmer made their way into the film. I encourage you all to see this movie, if just for those two, because they are the weirdest fucking couple. I looked at Daniel, I'm like, if I didn't already have a Halloween costume, I would want us to be them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Redford was the first choice for Guy Woodhouse. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's a Except, good one. Except, I'm going to tell you, I think He was that... just a baby in 68, too. Yeah. Was all right. What's up? What's up, Robbie? Um, He was was in a contractual dispute with Paramount, so he wasn't available. They also looked at Robert Wagner, Richard Chamberlain, James Fox, Lawrence Harvey, and Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson actually tested for the role. He would have been, I think, really good because he's got that little bit of evil to him. And he's like, he would have been great at, because the character of Guy, who's of course in on it with the witches, is having to lie to Rosemary all the time. And Jack Nicholson, as we see in The Shining, is really great at like dismissing his wife's genuine worry. Indeed. He's like, yeah, you're full of calm down. You're full of shit. Like it's, you know, like yeah. he's, he would have done a really good job at that. That's yeah. interesting. John Cassavetes though. I mean, he did a great job. He's a very talented filmmaker. Oh yeah. He's um, great. Also th- had three kids. He was married to uh, Gina. Um, Rollins. Yeah. Gina yeah. Rollins and had three kids who are like massively talented. And... Yeah. She was in his movies and edited with him and everything. Yeah. And uh, one of the things I thought was bonkers, um, his son, oh, was it Nick? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. One of them, um, his he did My Sister's Keeper about the little girl who sued for parental, for to have her own rights so that she couldn't be used to like harvest organs for her sister. Ah. That was like his life. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Crazy. He did do My Sister's Keeper. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Mia Farrow was not Polanski's first choice for Rosemary. He originally wanted to find an all-American actress. Um, he was actually looking... For uh, like Patty Duke auditioned, um, somebody else that would make uh, Sharon Tate, Tuesday Weld. I think Sharon Tate could have done it. Except I think in the end they they go with Mia Farrow, who was best known at the time for Peyton Place uh, for the television Peyton Place, not the movie. You should all see the movie. Um, I have not. Yes, you have. You oh, did I watch it with, it with you? me? I forgot. Mm. Anyway. Uh, she, I think they needed that waifish, mm-hmm. twiggy look, um, mm-hmm. especially when they gave her the haircut and she started like losing weight and they were putting the white makeup on her yeah, and she looked the, all like sick. The and... waifish look contributes to her feelings of weakness and insecurity and like a lack of control over her physical body and her story that's happening around yes. her. Yes. Like, I think that's one of the reasons, like, I was trying to think about like, why she got the haircut. Like... I think it was... I think it was like to just like reclaim control over her body. That was... We'll see. That was another uh, another part of the movie is about women's lib. Yeah, because it has zero bearing on the plot. Like, 
it never comes back up. Like she gets the haircut and comes in one day and guys like, you look like terrible, blah, blah, but they move on. Um, and so I just thought it was like her uh, taking a stand as she was going through a very painful pregnancy and not knowing why to like reclaim some control. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, I like what Evan said. Okay. So (laughs) just as an aside and I'm going to put it in, uh, (laughs) is that Robert Evans? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. There is a, book uh, robert evans wrote a book called the kid stays in the picture they made a documentary too and they made a documentary and he also um he narrates the audio narrates the yeah. audio book which i bought for a friend of mine because we were obsessed with pat oswalt uh doing this bit about robert evans who for some reason that no one understands was contracted to do commercials for espn football i thought he made that up did he yeah, my my take on the bit was that like he riffed on Robert Evans like Look joking, up. but then he like I th- I just thought he was always making that up. I don't as a like, part of the bit. Well, I very much doubt that I very much doubt that Robert Evans was talking about someone's pussy soaking apple juice. But I mean, I don't doubt that they would have had Robert Evans. Oh, that's true. Um. So anyway, uh, they talk about Robert Evans and how he's basically the devil. And oh, sweet mercy, they might have see. Why do you doubt me? Because it sounded so... It just sounded like his excuse to like make a... This is a, our marriage. You are okay. listening to our marriage dissolve. What? On dissolve? <laughs> so Evan said, Mia was a little left of center. That's the reason we wanted her. She wasn't just another pretty face. She had another dimension. And what she didn't have, Roman got out of her. Like even... That's how he talks. That's how he talks. And what I love is, that's not like... What she didn't have, Roman got out of her. Fine. Like that's just a sentence. But to hear Robert Evans say it, it mm-hmm. just sounds gross. He was a very, very weird, corrupt old man. He did The Godfather, mm-hmm. which um, I think we have given instructions mm-hmm. to some of you that if you haven't seen it, season two begins when? Soon. November 4th. That's right. Season two begins in November 4th. You have uh, a few days. A few days. A week? You have over a week. Over a week. Where are you? I'm so bad at the math. You've got some time. It'll be like a week. You've got a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. When you listen to this, that's yeah. true. You have a week. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> that's true. Giving me guff. Where am I? That is an excellent point. You have a week from today to watch two of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. Uh, you know what? To, together. Godfather 1 and 2. Godfather 1 and 2. Total running time together. Six hours. You can find six hours. You were just gonna watch fucking Netflix. Just watch this instead. Yeah, you were just gonna. You were just gonna watch Netflix. Just you know what watch. you. You know what you watched. I bet. I bet you watched all of Stranger Things season three, and that's more than six hours. And so shame on you. You could have watched The Godfather instead. Indeed, indeed. There's your homework. And Robert Evans, we're tying it all in for you. Mm-hmm. Robert Evans produced it. So he was a crazy man, but he uh, he knew how to make some money. Mm-hmm um seven polanski clashed the <laughs> shocker clashed with the studio during production this was his first american film it was yeah. and his attention to detail created problems with paramount he fell behind his shooting schedule um oh yeah castle ended up being i think a, an ep or something um he was like you're gonna have problems with these people and polanski's like evans and castle stood by polanski and it didn't hurt that the footage coming back was super impressive. Um, oh, interesting. In Polanski's recollection, it took a fellow director, the great Otto Preminger, uh, to convince him that he had nothing to worry about. Hmm. 
he did Laura and Anatomy oh, of Oh, great Murder. director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great director. Um, in a chance meeting on the Paramount... Paramount, 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 Paramount Lodge. There it is. Polanski explained his schedule problems to the legend. Preminger asked him about the rushes, which are the raw footage screen for studio execs. When Polanski explained that Paramount seemed to love his footage, Preminger put him at ease. So what do you care? He says... They never fired anybody because of schedule, because of lagging behind. But if they don't like the rushes, you're out very soon. Yeah. So they liked it. They were like being, they were just being bitchy. Polanski and John Cassavetes clashed during production too. Well, John Cassavetes can suck my dick because really. They're both alpha filmmakers. That's true. Um, He is still remembered as a titan of independent film, known for his freewheeling improvisational productions like a woman under the influence. Yeah, John Cassavetes. Why are you reading it like that? I don't know. It just seemed like I should. Okay. Uh, Polanski's a different kind of director, known for his precision. Kind of uh, Wes Anderson-y, I think, possibly. Fussy, maybe? Maybe mm-hmm. fussy. Maybe a little bit fussy. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, props for Wes. Go SJS. Mm. Um, they clashed. Cassavetes wanted to improvise. Yeah. Polanski was like, no he would be annoyed if an actor lifted a glass mere inches from where he imagined it to be. Wes Anderson. Cool. Um, they liked each other. They knew each other. They liked each other, but their working relationship became very strained. Uh, John Cassavetes was not my best experience. I must say Polanski recalled from another country because he is He's, rapist. Yeah. Um, Are we going to, we're going to talk about okay. it. Okay. Uh, nine Pharaoh, Mir Pharaoh really worked. I'm having it's been a few weeks. Goofy tongue today. It's been a few weeks. Apologies. We Pharaoh really walked out into New York traffic. There is this scene where she's super preggers. I mean, not in real life, but she's super preggers. And she just like in this trance walks through New York traffic. Wait, and it was obviously scripted, but they didn't like set up fake cars or anything. No. They just walked into the street. No. Roman. Not carefully orchestrated. Not The streets were not blocked off. She, she walked into the street and hoped that the oncoming cars would stop. Yes. And Polanski assured her no one will hit a pregnant woman. Yeah. First of all, they would. Uh, second of all, that seems dangerous. Polanski himself had to operate the camera because nobody else would do it. Oh, my gosh. Do you hear that? The fuzz is on us. A pregnant woman has walked into traffic. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, she he was able to convince her to do a lot of crazy shit. She was a strict vegetarian and actually ate raw liver. Yeah. Um, that's intense. Myself, not so much. Um, Frank Sinatra, now this is sad. Frank Sinatra, this will not surprise you because he was a real bastard with mm-hmm. a beautiful voice, but oh my God, what a bastard. Filed for divorce from Mia Farrow during production. He mm-hmm. actually told her when she got the script, he's like, nope, you're not doing it. And she's like, um, okay, I'm doing it. And he's yeah. like, uh, he was a real possessive dickwad. No, you're not. And she's mm-hmm. like, uh, I am. And then he demanded that she choose between the movie or her husband. That is never a good move, son. Yeah, I man, she's going to call your bluff. Never a good Francis. move. So uh, she decided to finish the movie. He sent a lawyer to the set to deliver divorce papers. Fuck you. She signed them, quote, in a blur of tears. And then continued shooting. The incident created such tension that Sinatra and Robert Evans didn't speak for years. Yikes. To the point that Evans would call restaurants and ask if Sinatra was dining there before he decided to go. Yikes. Uh, but she, honestly, Mia Farrow, she and Sinatra remained friends until he died. 
So I guess it was just like, listen, I'm not, we're not meant to be. Sure. But um, we're still, Mia Farrow is a, I will say this, she has a remarkable gift for forgiveness and for uh, love in general. And for, I mean, like she, as a mother, as an actress, as an activist, I, I have an enormous amount of respect for this woman. Um, and she's raised some spectacular children. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, fucking mm-hmm. spectacular children. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't surprise me that she was friends with, with him. Um, I would have burned his house down. Yeah. But that's just me. Yeah. Um, fair. Na- fair. Okay, no, I'm not going to... Uh, this I'll get to if we have time. William Castle thought the film was cursed, and OMG, <laughs> there are some serious... Things that happen. I'm t- nah. Typical cancer. Blurg. Why do you always say that? So Sydney Blackmer, who played Roman Castavet, once said, no good will come of all this Hail Satan business. Mm-hmm. So William Castle has, um, shortly after production, suffered gallstones to such a severe extent that he mm-hmm. required surgery. The um, composer, Christoph Komita, Mm -hmm. suffered an accidental fall that led to a coma and his death. Okay. And then Sharon Tate, then the whole Manson thing happened. That was like, yeah, but... That was 1969. Yeah, but that... So they're they're saying that Sharon Sharon Tate was murdered as payback for Roman Polanski's involvement in making Rosemary's Baby? From, from, From God. It was... I don't know. Where's the devil? I don't know. William Castle was born in 1914, so maybe he just grew up in a really shitty time for healthcare. Didn't take care of himself. I'm just saying. Because by he would have been in his late 50s. There by are then. two different sequels. Okay. Rosemary's Baby was an instant hit, Dadoy, and the Satanism woven into its plot ultimately started a craze that led to other hits like The Omen, which is fabulous. Never saw it. It's Wait, all, yeah, I have. It's all for you. Oh, so good. It's all for you, Damien. It's, it's all, all for you, you she Damien. She jumps and off then that just thing crack. and just like, the rope just snaps her neck. Woo! So good. Damn. See the omen. It's great. And The Exorcist. Which I just saw for the first time a couple years ago. You can see it if you want. It's great. Yep. No, it's great. You know, I thought about The Exorcist watching Rosemary's Baby because, yeah. as I said, you know, Rosemary's Baby, until the very end, it's just like a it's very easy to see it's just a drama about a paranoid woman losing yep. her mind. Yep. And the first kind of like solid, me. <laughs> no, the first <laughs> solid third of the exorcist before the shit gets real is just a bummer seventies drama about like a single mom and a depressed priest. Yeah. So honestly, like, if I hadn't seen it, I'm surprised you wouldn't have shown it to me. Yeah. Hilarious. Dig. <laughs> Twist the knife. Sadie, our producer is, uh, she's Sound filling asleep. No, she's filling out HR paperwork she's... on you right now. Because that was a harassment and an unsafe working environment. She's sound asleep. She's she can do both. She's um, the worst. But no, like, so, but She's you get it, like, like so much of Rosemary's Baby no, reminded me actually right. because like this is just a straight up drama about just sad, lonely people. So yeah, but The Exorcist, great movie. So okay, we have in 1976 a made-for-TV movie titled "Look What's Happened to Rosemary's Baby." <laughs> Don't laugh. That's a fucking great title. Don't even laugh. Patty Duke is Rosemary. So she finally got to be Rosemary. Directed by Rosemary's Baby co-editor Sam Osteen and even features the the return of Ruth Gordon as mini cast of it. Now, in 97, Levin himself produced a sequel, a novel titled Son of Rosemary. And I want to say he did that because he loved um, 
uh, Mia Farrow so much. Wow. Uh, the film was also remade as an NBC miniseries, and it souked, starring Zoe Saldana as Rosemary. It was so bad. Um, and hang on, I'm going to get to it, because I have all this stuff about Levin, right? Levin actually had um, a really hard time writing this book, because he was um, he was like, should this religious counterculture Mm -hmm. was already swirling the church of satan was soon to be established in san francisco and then they had the is god dead and he's like what if i took the birth of jesus and turned the whole tale upside down what if god was not only dead but the devil lived Mm -hmm. he's writing with all these reservations he's like i feel like i'm gonna get fucked because i feel like no one's gonna you know publish this book Mm -hmm. it gets published the greatest horror film ever made blah 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 truman capote loses his mind amazing um, it's it's this huge success, hmm. possibly from a deal made with the devil. Do you did you ever think about that? Pfft. Maybe the devil did it. Pfft. I love thinking of that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, so the the movie keeps going on. Roger Ebert wrote Polanski outdoes Hitchcock, mm-hmm. which I said Liz Smith called it sheer perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody just went nuts. Everybody went fucking crazy. Um, but then the curse began. Okay. The first unlucky soul was Pomeda. <sighs> okay. Um, he was rough out at a party and then fell. And in a four month coma, the very same affliction Levin's witches used to kill Rosemary's suspicious friend in the book. Comas are way too common for that to be like a thing. Like if he was struck blind spontaneously one day, I'd be like, that's some weird shit just say okay then we have the uh oh my gosh oh my gosh while delirious in the hospital william castle hallucinated scenes from the film it was said to have yelled rosemary for god's sakes drop the knife what do you mean what remember when she comes in with the knife yeah so what do you mean so so maybe that maybe maybe it was just i don't know so he's so he's okay, sick so in the hospital i'm just being goofy whatever okay, but hold on i'm trying to figure out so he's sick in the hospital after the movie Okay. Yes. Okay. It's the whole thing. And then, of course, Sharon Tate. Yeah. You know, um, this is, oh my gosh. So, this I totally agree with. Um, she, uh, Tate appeared actually on set, appeared uncredited like a ghost in the background of Rosemary's young people only, young people only party scene. Really? Yeah, she's so beautiful. Huh. And say some became becoming increasingly obsessed with the occult. Many years later, a friend quoted her in print as having said, the devil's beautiful. Most people think he's ugly, but he's not. I 100% believe that if the devil is real. It would have to be The beautiful. devil, who the fuck is going to go with some crazy cloven hoof nut job? I'm mm. going to go with uh, Tom... What's his fuck? Cruz. No, Tom. Uh, Hiddleston. The guy, stop interrupting me. Okay. The guy who plays Lucifer in the show Lucifer, Tom, what's his name? I'll find out. If that guy came to me and was like, I'm the devil, I'd be like, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> because you are fine and British. She's like, I, I'm just like, no questions asked. Hail Tom Satan. Tom Ellis. Woof. Born 17 November 1978. That man, uh, that man was crafted by God and let's taken find, by Satan. Let's find a picture. Um, Tom Ellis. We'll post a picture of him so that you can all appreciate. 
Uh, Polanski last saw Tate by then his wife and very pregnant in July of 1969, noting in his autobiography a grotesque thought he had at the time, you will never see her again, he wrote. And then he didn't. Yeah, it's awful. Which was fucking horrible. Yeah. Um, of course, unable to make sense of such a tragedy and captivated by the stories of the Manson family, mm-hmm. the public took to Satan and curses as the only explanation, which was a load of shit. And any true crime fanatic will know that. Manson was just a fucking crazy person. Mm-hmm. And a, and and not a smart one, and not I, I don't really understand the Manson thing. I'm not a Manson person, right? I don't get it. Did you ever read Helter Skelter? No, because I just don't. Yeah. Give a shit about this man. Yeah. He's just a tiny little shitty man. Yeah. Um, internet fanatics say that like Guy Woodhouse, Polanski made his young wife a blood sacrifice for his still untouchable status in Hollywood and beyond. Go fuck yourself. Like that's, that's fucking who's terrible. gonna fucking kill their Those baby. Those guys can eat shit. That's, that's a horrible what I'm thing saying. to say. That's what I'm saying. Um. Anyway. Uh. A dozen years later, Lennon was assassinated across the street from the Dakota. I did not know that. That's yeah, I did know that. I can't believe you didn't know that. Like, everybody knows where he was assassinated. I, I'd forgotten. I, I hadn't associated it with that. By the government. Sorry. Okay. With the, with the building and the movie we just saw. So just finishing my sentence. So you think John Lennon was likely assassinated by the government? Yes, I do. Okay. Why? Because he was speaking the truth about love and peace, and the government does not, the government is full of darkness. So they found a crazy guy to pin it on, or to take the rap. Yeah, Mark David Chapman. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know me. I'm totally woo. You are into conspiracy theories too. I'm totally into. And one of our ongoing things is she's into conspiracy theories, and I'm usually not. So yeah. <laughs> like, like a few years ago, I'll never forget this one. This is great. We were watching oh, like God. just. Some, watching some movie trailers on TV and there was a trailer for that Natalie Portman movie Jackie and you were like sorry the CIA killed your husband lady and you just got up and left the room no that's okay if you're going to quote my mad conspiracy theories because once what you said no the reason that you love the story so much this is what cracks me up that you've forgotten the reason you love the story so much is I was not even I was standing there and I said Sorry, the CIA killed your husband, lady, but that's what happened. And then I just walked out mm, of the room, is, and right. you were yeah. like, mm-hmm. "What?" Yeah. You were like, and "You're like announcing it to the TV. You're like yep. yelling it at the TV. It was pretty great because they did." Yeah, you're into conspiracy theories, and I'm generally not. Yes, anyone that is good or that is going to bring something good to this world, they are um, ixnade. Do you think the, the government was involved in Martin Luther King's assassination? Yes. Interesting. Yes. What about RFK? Yes, absolutely. And JFK? Yes. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Fight me. I don't want to. Okay. <laughs> um <laughs> so um <laughs> Levin um says that you so his curse. Okay. <laughs> What's Levin's he curse? He was divorced in nineteen sixty eight. That happens a lot. And um and but he got the you know, he got the fame that he sought, but at what price? Okay. No, anyway. Uh Catholics <laughs> Catholics uh hated him and they hated the movie. I would imagine they, they did. gave it a big condemned, uh big C rating on the film for its mockery of religious persons and practices. Yeah. Um he kept saying like 
he, oh, this is interesting. On a 1980 episode of the Dick Cavett show, which mm-hmm. we all watched. Dick Cavett um, was a great interviewer. Appearing alongside a gregarious Stephen King, uh, Levin sits quiet, pensive, oh, and insecure. I don't recall being scared at all, he said, of his childhood horror inspirations. Now I'm terrified. Interesting. I have got to find Ira Levin and Stephen King on the Dick Cavett show. We should find it. By 1992, in a rare interview, Levin, convinced, Levin confessed to having mixed feelings about Rosemary's Baby, including religious guilt, which I think is ridiculous because Satan doesn't exist. Satan doesn't exist. Okay? Let's all just get over it. Does evil exist? Yes. Is there some big thing down there? No. Do you believe in Satan? Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. You don't believe that a government conspiracy would kill somebody, but you do believe in some big gorgon beneath us waiting to eat your soul? <laughs> not a gorgon, and not like underground. Where is he? I don't know. Okay, well, I think I think our I think our listeners are going to probably What think- do you guys think? Not seen this pod at gmail.com. They probably think we're both fucking crazy. But they've listened this far. They've listened. It's true. <laughs> so if you're listening, if you've, if you've listened to this whole thing, what's that say about you, really? Let's, uh, I, let's, Go to patreon.com slash not seeing this Let's pod. talk about you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he had issues. I don't know. you. Um, and uh, I'm not even going to talk about the, the new... The I was gonna talk about nah. the the new one, but fuck that. I get him having issues, but like I feel like that's annoying. Like I get, of course, the Catholics losing their minds and complaining, but like to me, just it's annoying because depiction of something is not ever necessarily endorsement of that thing. If he wrote a novel about these witches, he's not saying I believe people should be witches. It's pretty clear that the witches are actually the bad guys in this. That's part. Of, well, like, and I actually take I actually uh, take um, what's umbrage. Uh, yeah, to umbrage. The, mm-hmm. uh, use of the word witches. I don't think. Um, I personally don't think of witches as evil. Sure. I think they're talking about devil worshippers, which is a different thing. These people are devil worshippers, which is a much more accurate term for what they are. They're but they devil call worshipers. themselves witches. Yeah. I know a lot of witches. They would never in a million yeah. years hurt these anybody. Are, these are devil worshippers, which again, if you're going to write a book about devil worshippers and make a movie about it, that doesn't mean you think that devil worshippers are awesome. You're just telling a fictional story in which characters happen to be devil worshippers. Right, you're also clearly making them evil. It's not like you're... I mean, they raped a woman and stole her baby. They're clear... So that that stuff just drives me up the wall when folks are like, how dare they? And I'm like, first of all, you're not engaging with this in good faith at all in whatever way you want to interpret it. Second, you rape little boys. Yeah, second, you do rape little boys, so shut the fuck up. And third, like, if you even watched it and gave it half a second, you realize this is clearly a... that's the thing. Like these movies are just reinforcing very traditional norms of good and evil. Listen, I'm going to say this right now, and I have a lot of Catholic friends, and I love you guys, mm-hmm. but y'all don't have a fucking leg to stand on. No, the when Catholic it comes Church can to eat it. Sorry. Anything, sorry, anything. The Catholic Church is like, we're against this. I'm like, you fuck little boys, mm-hmm. and there your argument is now nullified. Mm-hmm. You get nothing. You get to say nothing. Yeah, I. I nothing. Oh, sorry. I know a lot of very good people who mm-hmm. are Catholics. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't give me any shit. I don't mm-hmm. give them any shit. But you start coming at me with stuff, and I will just shut you down. Because well, we're talking about the difference between like a person living a moral life and the institution that was corrupted by power Indeed. and money. Indeed, exactly. Um, so I guess let's let's do it. What are we doing? 
Well, let's talk about the fact that some of the greatest movies ever made were made by a man who raped a 13-year-old girl. Allegedly, question mark? I got to tell you, the pharaohs have had a tough time. Yeah, they have. I mean, she works with this guy who raped a girl, and then her own husband rapes Rapes her stepdaughter. Stepdaughter. Marries the stepdaughter. and... And also rapes his... Wait. Adopted. Roman said he raped the other daughter. Yeah, Ronan, Ronan, Ronan said that Ronan, the, that's right. That he was yeah, that the other daughter was also the raped, other daughter's yeah. also. But anyway, that's that's Woody, another that's thing. Another, yeah. That's another one of the greatest filmmakers. And he, what do you do? Are you allowed to still enjoy the movie? Can I still watch Chinatown? Can I still watch Rosemary's Baby? Um, is there some sort of? Um, I don't think that there should be a statute of limitations on uh, crimes like rape. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think at a certain point we need to decide um, maybe we don't let him make movies anymore. Maybe we stop talking about what a super great guy he is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Every, like a lot of really famous people have come to his defense. Yeah. Um, clearly the government doesn't care enough to just go in and get him. They sure. could, I think. Sure. But... How do you feel? And that's it's it's an ongoing awful debate that I think there is a lot of emotion tied up in and a lot of history and baggage tied up in and a lot of times it comes down to the individual consumer and the artist and the art in question and the deed in question and how you process all those things over time because that changes over time. You know, like I remember like when you know, I never had like a a tight thing with like Woody Allen, like a lot of other people did. Yeah. It was never like a big thing, but like some critics were just like, Woody Allen is the filmmaker. Right. And so that thing was like really hard for them to process. But for me, it was less because I never had that relationship with him. Right. You know, whereas as we were talking about just the other day, one of my favorite stand ups for years Mine too. was Louis C.K. Yep. And we loved him, watched his shows. We got to see him live, and we thrilled to that. Yep, and, and then, I didn't wear a bra. You you were very t- you were very drugged on a lot of medicine. Yeah. Yep, and we forgot, and it was a long. But we'll talk about it later. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, and but then when when his stuff came out, I was like, to me, that's the thing. Like, that was that was so upsetting to me that like I can't watch his stuff anymore. I don't feel like watching it, and yet, at the same time, I don't think it cancels out my feelings and my actions now to say that those comedy specials he did and the work he did were also very talented, smart work. Yes. And that's part of the ongoing bind is the stuff he did and who he is and what he did are tied in ways that can't be undone. And you wind up living in this tension between these things that seem to contradict each other. Like Roman Polanski accused of horrible thing has living abroad because of that horrible thing. And yet has also made some enduring movies and some of the best movies in American cinema. Okay, how about this? Let, let's, how about this? What if we're talking about, and I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Bill Cosby yeah, as well. Yeah, I thought of him too, yeah. Thinking of Bill Cosby as well. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about these people who, um, men, yeah. sorry, men, mm-hmm. because you suck. Mm-hmm. Um what about if you have someone like Roman Polanski and I don't know enough 
if he's making a movie that condemns rape, Mm -hmm. then I have a problem with the fact that he's a rapist. Mm -hmm. If he's, but so like, kind of like how Bill Cosby was like, Bill Cosby was my dad growing up. I mean, he, he was my black dad. He taught me a lot about being African-American in the world uh, that I didn't know and understand. He taught me a lot. He was, uh, I mean, in multiple things, in um, picture pages, in Fat Mm -hmm. Albert, in The Cosby Show, and all that. And, And he was very preachy about a lot of stuff. And then I find out that he was drugging and raping women. Well, that means that I can't ever... Yeah watch any of that again because you are you are not only a horrible rapist Mm -hmm. but you're a fucking liar and a and a a hypocrite and like i guess for me if you're and i feel the same way about louis ck louis Mm -hmm. louis was super preachy about a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff about women's rights and all that you're gonna fucking talk to me about women's rights and you're jacking off in front of women no it's your body of work is dead to me yeah it's often like a giveaway in a lot of ways like you know those those guys that kind of go out of their way to position themselves in some ways as allies and yet get off on the power of humiliation. And yeah, no, you don't get a pass from me because yeah. you talked about women's rights mm-hmm. when you make a woman stand there and watch you jack off with mm-hmm. your tiny dick. You don't get yep. to do that. Exactly. Um, but I don't know uh, enough about Roman Polanski. And I know that Chinatown is dark. And I mean, my mother, my sister, my mother. Mm-hmm. Um if you haven't seen Chinatown, that see Chinatown, please. It's great. Maybe that will be our season two movie. Plus, I mean, that we talk about and you know, like it, I could be misremembering this, but I because I, I learned it so long ago. But my one of the things that I learned back in school was that, you know, he pushed for that really grim, dark ending of Chinatown. Yes, because for him, that's what the world was after Sharon Tate was dead. Like, yeah. like the the world is not a place where you get the girl and solve the mystery. The yeah. world is a place yeah. where your pregnant love dies and is murdered and like just bad things happen and define your existence. So I feel like I should have researched this and I apologize. Me too. To I did not do that much research. Who did not, who are like, what the fuck was it proven that he, that he raped i am not saying please you know i that don't I'm, i don't i know that he proven? was i know she sued him convicted for a thing um, um i'm just curious because uh if he if it was proven then you know absolutely and i'm not please good lord i'm not questioning a rape victim if she says it happened then i have not no nearly done all happened. the research like the first couple of graphs basically say what happened here like on, on wikipedia of course he was in March of 77, he was arrested and charged in L.A. with five offenses against uh, Samantha Geimer, a 13-year-old girl. Um, now, did it happen in 77? Yeah, March of 77, he was arrested. Okay. Um, Listen, uh, I don't... And then, like, at, as, at arra- at his arraignment, he pled not guilty to all charges, later accepted a plea bargain, whose terms included dismissal of the initial five of the initial charges in exchange for guilty plea to the lesser charge of engaging un- in unlawful sexual intercourse. Okay, so he, he underwent, underwent, underwent court-ordered psychiatric evaluation. No, it's uh, okay. He did. He did. It. Yeah, he was likely to face I don't imprisonment. Mean it's okay, but I mean, I understand. He was likely to face imprisonment, I don't mean I deportation. You know what I'm saying, but he fled to France in February of '78, hours before he was to be formally sentenced. 
Since then, he's mostly lived in France and has avoided visiting countries likely to extradite him to the United States. Well, there's a lot more than that. Like, he had to go to, I think he had to go to uh, Switzerland or Sweden or something. Like, he had to run a couple places, and, and like, we, he was, we had him in jail somewhere for a while. So he did it. Um, okay. Yeah, she sued him in 88. It was settled out of court in 93. So he did it. Well... I don't know how. What do you guys think? Uh, I would. I'm interested to know. Like, do we? Do oh, Leo has something to say. Do we negate a man's body of work? Do we? Do we? Uh, he was now. He was booted out of the um, Academy of Motion Pictures and Sciences and whatever it's called. Uh, he is no longer a member. So I guess that means he can't be considered oh, for. Um, Academy Awards. Yeah, he can't. He, can, he can't. You can't vote on stuff. He can't vote, but yeah. he can be. He can. Yeah, because be... didn't he win for the pianist? <clears throat> I know. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, if he was booted out, I wouldn't think that he would be allowed to That's submit. Why I, I don't know. I I have to look up when all this happened when he was booted out. Well, you're useless I know. to me. By the way, just following up, uh, they kept the press has of course kept up with this case over the decades. In 2000, 2003, the victim, Samantha Geimer, said straight up what he did to me was wrong, but I wish he would return to America so the whole ordeal can be put to rest for both of us. I'm sure if he could go back, he wouldn't do it again. He made a terrible mistake, but it's paid for it. In 2008, so already 11 years ago, uh, she stated in an interview that she wishes he would be forgiven, saying, quote, I think he's sorry. I think he knows it was wrong. I don't think he's a danger to society. I don't think he needs to be locked up forever, and no one has ever come out ever besides me and accused him of anything. It was 30 years ago now. It's an unpleasant memory, but I can live with it. So, I mean, that's – and that's already an 11-year-old quote. So – Well, that's remarkable of her to say. It's remark. I can't imagine the journey she's been on to get to a she's place where she can say that. She's fucking sick of shit of yeah. people talking to her about it. I would imagine she is because the rest of her life she's going to be talked about. Uh Oh, yeah. September of he was detained by Swiss police at Zurich Airport while trying to enter Switzerland. Uh, he had planned to uh, attend the Zurich Film Festival to receive a Lifetime Achievement Award. Hmm. Yeah, but I'm trying to find where he was kicked out of... The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I just... I don't know. I would really like to know what you guys think. Um, I guarantee we will hear from Travis. Um, it's... It's... Um, the Board of Governors of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences voted to expel Bill Cosby and Roman Polanski from its membership ranks. This is May of 2018 in Variety. The decision to remove Cosby and Polanski from the membership was made Tuesday, May 1st at a scheduled board meeting. The move comes a week after Cosby was convicted of three counts of aggravated indecent assault. Polanski's been on land for 40 years. Uh, the case has undergone a lot of twists, yada, yada, yada. Um, so there's just, just more quotes from there. Uh, their if lawyers. you haven't seen the ghost, that's another really good one. The ghost writer. The ghost writer. Sorry. Yeah. The ghost so, writer. but that was May of eighteen when all the Cosby stuff was coming to light. So, the pianist was like oh three. Yeah. So I'm 02, telling 03. you, yeah. I don't think he can. I think you're right. Yeah. I yeah. think you're right because if they if they expelled him from their. So that's too. punishment enough. Mm-hmm. If you're a filmmaker and you can't be a yeah. part of the Academy Awards, mm-hmm. like that's that's what everybody wants. Yeah. I don't know. It's it is a singularly spectacular film. And it's made by a man who has a lot of problems and and, ha- and and had a lot of problems. Before he did that, mm-hmm. 
he went through something that nobody, 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 nobody should ever have to go through, which I'm not saying is a reason to rape a 13 year old girl. Hello. Um, but, uh, not, but, and, um, I think that he should have just fucking taken his medicine yeah, and then moved on with his life. And I also think like, I find myself thinking about stuff like this pretty often and about how most of the stuff that's created was created by somebody who's probably flawed at best or has a lot of dangerous problems at worst. And it's almost like it's, it's just because so many people have so many problems in so many ways, like the people who create these things are not immune to this just because they all have this spark of creativity in them. And I don't know, like it's, it's just, just an awful thing. Like I, I don't know how to reconcile some of it because yes, I grew up watching these movies before I even knew the details of the sexual assault case. And yet, yeah, I just like, I what know. do you do about Michael Jackson's music? Mm-hmm. People are like, I have had people that have very that have said I I'm never listening to it again, and mm-hmm. I've had other people say to me flat out, I love his music so much I will never stop listening to it. I don't care. I find myself skipping his songs when they come up on shuffle now. Really? Yeah, I'm like I just feel just it's getting weirder and weirder. I know. It's really because we knew about it for so long. We talked. There were jokes when I was a kid about it. I know. Like it's just yeah. I know. So man, we've bummed you out this Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Hey, here's a spooky treat for you. Life's terrible. It was Satan <sighs> all along. Baby. Satan's baby. Uh. Sorry. No, I'm no, I'm not, not sorry. It was I'm actually not sorry. It was yeah. a rad movie. It's Everybody a, needs it, it to is. watch it. It really is, and it's on right now. If you're listening to this on October 28th, and hopefully soon after, it is still streaming for free on Amazon Prime. Yep. Well, free yep, if yep, you're yep. a Prime member, but you get what I'm saying. It's on Prime Video. Who isn't a Prime member? Be a Prime member. Yeah, we don't work for Amazon, but just... Amazon is not paying us for this. But they uh, I welcome my overlords. They have the money. Yes. Hey, uh, I'm going to do a a quick commercial that no one is paying us for, but that I am just doing. If you are in Houston, oh, wait, no, it's already happened. No, it hasn't happened yet. If you're already in, I don't know where I am. Pick up. (laughs) If you are in Houston uh, this November 2nd, please come out to the Heart Made Art Market, which is uh, at the corner of Maine and McKinney downtown. It is from 10 to 5 featuring... Over 70 Texas artists. 70? Over 70. Over 70? Yes. Food trucks, DJ. Um, <gasps> are you making fun no, of No, I'm me? like hyping. I'm the show. Live, live uh, paintings by artists from um, our organization that we are uh, helping artists for artists. Uh, this it, Heart Made Houston is a an organization that puts on art markets and the booth fees go directly to a charity that is supported and that charity right now is artists for artists which uh they give life-saving grants to artists who need surgery or uh their house has been destroyed by a hurricane or something like that it's they're a wonderful organization Mm -hmm. they do great Um, stuff for people yes and so it's free and it's supposed to be a beautiful day um, you can go to heartmadehouston.com or heartmadehouston on Instagram and get all the information you need. We'd love to see you there. And if you want to volunteer, 
you are also welcome to do that. You can email us at heartmadehouston at gmail.com. You get, it's three hours, you get a free t-shirt, you get free lunch, and you get free parking. And a free hug from me. And a free hug from the sweatiest man at the market. Last time I went through two t-shirts. And he had a third one as a backup. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So that's my ad for Heart Made Art Market. Yeah, if you're helping Houston, out a charity and helping out, and we have uh, an awesome sponsor, the Downtown District of Houston, who gives our artists free tents, tables, chairs. They are rad All people. All sorts of stuff. If you aren't in the Houston area, just come anyway. Just get in your car. <laughs> get in your car. If and you're in drive. Texas, drive, motherfuckers. If drive. you're in Texas, you should just shut up and come on down. Especially if you're in that like triangle of San Antonio, Houston metroplex. Like, just get your butts down just, here. Just get in your car. Just dr- what, what were you doing that day? Nothing. No, just, it's exactly. kid friendly. We're gonna have stuff where kids get to make their own buttons and stuff. Yeah, just shut up and come on over. Come on down. Yeah, buy some art. It's time to start the Christmas shopping. Yep. And I could use some stuff. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, well, I don't. I don't know. Okay. So have we? Have we? Uh, We've covered. I think we had a good conversation today. We had a good conversation about about Rose good Marie's Rose Marie's baby. Baby. Thank you for showing me this movie. That was it was very very good and very worth it. Excellent. Really enjoyed it. You know what I'm going to do actually though is at night I'm going to get really close to your ear and just go. La, 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 don't la, like it. La, la, you do that all the time though. Like you do the bird from Twin Peaks and I don't like that either. Well, that's true. <laughs> Laura, Laura, hurting me, hurting me. Shut the fuck up! I don't like it. I don't like it. It's upsetting. It upsets the dog too. Yeah, the dog is leaving. She... <laughs> She's hiding behind me now. Stop it! Your demon Stop bird. Stop it! Yep, you're freaking around. Hurting me, hurting me. Okay. Yeah. That's not okay. <laughs> She's gonna knock stuff off the table, and you're she gonna is. deserve it. She is. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's. This has been Wait, an, an exceptionally yes. long one. Oh yeah. Uh, we thank you for hanging in there. We're going to do our hell yeahs. You go first. I'll, go do, I'll do my hell yeahs real quick. My hell yeah, since we're coming back and doing a little catch up, my hell yeah is rest in peace, Robert Forster, and everyone watch Jackie Brown. Oh, my God. Robert Forster, man. I mean, mm-hmm. RIP big time. And please, everybody watch. I mean, and I will fight you. The best movie Quentin Tarantino has made, hands Jackie down. Brown. Hands down. Fight it's me. It's his best. Fight me. Uh, of course, Robert Forster has decades of wonderful acting credits to his name, so check them all out. But Jackie Brown is is one that a lot of folks uh, from younger generations might be familiar with. Uh, it's a brilliant, wonderful movie, Tarantino's best, and he passed away a couple weeks ago. And it just it's that movie Not is Tarantino. always on my mind. Yeah, Robert Forster. Yeah. So yeah, watch Sexy Jackie Brown. Show. Watch Jackie Brown and pour one out for Robert Forster. That's my hell yeah. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. That's a really good one. Um, my hell yeah is, and this is typical for me, and I don't care, the final trailer for uh, Star Wars, The uh, Rise of Skywalker. Yep. I always get the name, the title wrong. They start to run together. The Rise of Skywalker. The Force Jedi <laughs> wakes up and sees Stop. Skywalker. The last trailer has dropped. Yep. I have watched it... Um, 40 times at least. Oh, way more than that. Good. I was trying to guess high. No, I'm really embarrassed. Really a lot. I've watched it a lot. 60 times? I don't know. Okay, that's I may have been driving and just hitting repeat, repeat, repeat while I was driving. It doesn't seem safe. I don't care. Well, I wasn't watching it. I was listening to it. Okay. That's not better. Whatever. Okay. Um, anyway, it is... Listen, 
You cry every time. I do. John Williams could score a like a car insurance commercial and I would sob like a baby. And I love that he, I read an article where he's like, this makes me so happy that I have had these four decades that I've been able to finish it. Like, can you imagine star Wars sans John Williams? No. And can you imagine the trailers without his sweeping epic music behind them? No. And so let's not even think about it. Also, if anybody knows who's talking at the very beginning when they says the force brought us together, would you please tell me because we have an argument. I think it's John Boyega. Well, I don't understand why the force would bring John Boyega with the force. He doesn't have the force. But brought them together on the desert planet from a couple movies ago. Okay, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, when 3PO says... I'm taking one last Take, look. Taking one last look, sir, at my, at my friends. friends. I'm just like... And the music swells. I mean, just uh, whatever. She cries every time. I whisper always with Carrie Fisher at the end, always, just mm-hmm. every single time. I am a sobbing mess. Mm-hmm. You can come... I Listen, I have said this multiple times during this uh, podcast for multiple things. I issue it one more time. Fight me. I am not ever going to not love... Star Wars. Should we have just called the podcast Fight Me? We probably should. Oh, that Except could be a for spin-off. the prequels, which as far as I'm concerned don't exist. Um, but Fight There me. are a lot of people out there who will defend at least Revenge of the Sith. Fight Me. Which is weird. Fight Me. They're not good movies. Um, we are so happy to be back. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy All Hallows Eve. Hopefully you get all the good candy. Yeah. I'm going to be posting pictures of my costume. Um, I got to get a costume. is lame and doesn't do Halloween. I am doesn't lame. do Halloween. I don't. Do we have a, where are we going? I'm not talking to you about that. Okay. I don't know. Okay. We also should probably find a place to go. We'll probably just go trick-or-treating with our niece. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who will not understand my costume at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, send us pictures of yours and we'll post them. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll be back on Monday, November 4th with the very first episode of Season, season de. Dos. Um, and I think it's possible that we might put up a... I haven't decided yet, but we may put up a poll to let you help us decide um, which movie Daniel should show me. Because he's having a hard time deciding. I've got some ideas. I'm thinking. I'm putting my brain to it. Oh, well, that's dangerous. Okay. What should we go out on? Uh, that creepy music is a good one. Uh, clips of Robert Evans' audiobook. Oh, there. Well, that's a or good, yes. uh, the patent bit or yeah. No, I mean that's something. I think we should definitely go out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you got it. You got it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm happy to be back. Me too. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Keep listening. And uh, don't forget to subscribe. Mm-hmm. Not seeing this pod everywhere. Not seeing this pod.com. Not seeing this pod all over social media. Not seeing this pod at gmail.com for letters. And Patreon. Please mm-hmm. help us pay our bills. Our producers <laughs> asking for a lot of money. And we our frankly producer, are upset by it. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, spooky chills and thrills to all of you. <laughs> okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. My hero is a movie producer named Robert Evans. He will save us. Robert Evans was a movie producer in the 70s. He produced Chinatown. He produced the Godfather films. He produced Rosemary's Baby. 
Rosemary's baby is coincidental because he's also Satan. He he snorted so much coke off of Alan McGraw's tits in the early 70s that basically he's got one giant vampire bat disco coke nostril left. And he... <laughs> he wrote his autobiography, and it's called The Kids Taste in the Picture, and they made a documentary about it, and it's fucking amazing. And if, in, in the book itself is great. If you can find the book on tape, fucking get it, because it's like listening to Lucifer <laughs> dictate his memoirs on a Sunday afternoon with a, you know, lying on his couch in a bathrobe with a martini on his belly, just kind of going, yeah, Frank Sinatra was on line three, and baby, he wasn't crooning. So, actual line from the book. So, a few years ago, the ESPN Sports Network, I don't know why they decided to do this, we need to do, we need to do some radio ads and promote our sports network. Who should we get as our spokesman? Maybe a heroic athlete, perhaps a legendary coach, or wait a minute, let's get movie producer Robert Evans. Yeah, let's get Cokie McSnortfuck from Beverly Hills to be our spokesman. Now. His book on tape is psychotic enough, but these radio ads are like listening to the ramblings of a fucking mental patient. And then at the end of it, he barely ties it in with sports. He comes on going, hi, this is Robert Evans for the ESPN Sports Network. You know, back in the early 70s when I was producing the Godfather films, I had a whirlpool bath that stalled in my trailer that I would fill with apple juice every day. Do you have any idea what Diane Keaton's pussy tastes like when it's been soaking in apple juice all day? Not half as sweet as the sports action you're going to catch on ESPN every Sunday. <laughs> ESPN Cowboys versus Redskins, catch it! Like a pussy soaked in apple juice. The human rectum is almost nightmarishly elastic. <laughs> I had four Rubik's Cubes jammed up there one day on a bet with Brian Dennehy when a heroin-crazed Rodney Allen Rippey burst into my trailer and punched me right in the solar plexus. I shot out all four cubes and damned if they didn't emerge solved. But that's nothing like the Hail Mary plays you're going to see on ESPN every Sunday. ESPN Packers versus Steelers, catch it! Shove them up there again, Denny Heal. Try to just solve the Reds. <laughs> Tom Wopat loved the three Fs. Food, fun, and fisting. We took Gil Gerard out on my cigarette boat Memorial Day weekend 1978 and I swear to you over those sweet savage 72 hours he turned that poor man into his personal finger puppet. His screams of agony alerted the Coast Guard and I pointed the prow of that fiberglass beauty out into international waters. But that's nothing like the defensive plays you're going to see on ESPN every Sunday. ESPN Jets versus Colts, catch it! Quit your belly aching, Buck Rogers, it's just a diver's watch. <laughs> and 
Richie Dickinson could suck the sorrow off a recent widow. She had my trouser snake buried tonsil depth when a heroin crazed Brian Denny burst into my trailer and punched me right in the solar plexus. I ejaculated my central nervous system and she lit up like a pinball machine at Binion's. I don't even know what the fuck he's talking about. Redskins versus Cowboys, catch it. Suck my knob, policewoman. Loretta Swit had a bush you could hide a VCR in. Are we still recording? 